Hello, podcast listeners. So today I want to talk about two things that are very important. First one is a group of three dogs. We're going to talk about a group of three dogs. Secondly, we're going to dive into the question of how do I continue to show up? How do I continue to do great work, to innovate, to create, even when I don't feel like it, even when it feels like I've kind of lost control, lost freedom, lost the ability to do the things that I love. Could be a boss that you don't like. It could be a relationship that's getting you down. It could be a long, dark, cold winter in Melbourne. Or, of course, it could be a cultural wide lockdown where you're not able to leave your house or go and work with the people that you normally serve. So, we'll dive into these two. Thanks for listening. As always, I appreciate you. Here's episode 74 of the Access Potential Podcast. You're listening to John Marsh. Okay, so firstly, we need to go back to 1967. We're going to zoom in to the University of Pennsylvania to a guy named Martin Seligman. Back in 67, Seligman initiated some research into this topic that's called learned helplessness. Seligman was interested in depression and he was interested in kind of the mechanics or understanding depression a little bit deeper. And this concept of learned helplessness that we're going to talk a little bit about today started to play into this. So he went deeper. He set up a bunch of experiments. And the first one was an experiment uh, that was by Seligman and Meyer. So this first study has two parts. Okay. Part one has three groups of dogs, group one, group two, and group three. And these three groups of dogs are separate. All three groups of dogs have a harness on them, okay? So in my mind, I'm kind of envisioning the little harness that my dog Luna wears when we go out for a walk. Anyway, the three groups of dogs are wearing a harness. Group one dogs, I just put into a normal harness, nothing special. Group two and group three dogs are put into harnesses that have the ability for electric current to go through them and shock the dogs. I think it's okay. I don't think the dogs were uh, harmed beyond this experiment, but anyway, we'll continue. Now, the interesting thing is the dogs in group two and the dogs in group three were actually yoked together. They were linked together. Not physically, but if a particular dog in group two was shocked with this electric current, a certain dog in group three would also be shocked, okay? And so on. So every dog in group two was partnered up with the dog in group three. And even though they were separate, if a dog in group two was shocked with the current, a certain dog in group three would be shocked as well. So the dogs in group two were given these electric shocks at random times. And they could stop the shock. They could stop the electric current by pushing on the lever. The dogs in group three, however, because they were experiencing the same shock with the same intensity as a certain dog in group two, were not able to stop their own shocks. They, they had a lever too, but it didn't do anything. So dog, the dog in group two was controlling the intensity and duration of the shock because when it pushed the lever, it stopped not only its own shock experience, but also that of a certain dog in group three. 
The dogs in group one, nothing was going on. They just got released because they didn't have any shocks. So group two dogs had this experience of being able to, or being shocked and then being able to stop it. Group three dogs in their worldview, these shocks were just random. They came randomly and then they ended randomly and they had no control over the situation. The situation or the shock was inescapable. So we now move into part two of the experiment, right? And now we're gonna, these dogs were put into like a, uh, it's called a shuttle box apparatus, but it's kind of like a chamber and it's got two compartments in the chamber. And the dogs could be in compartment one, but they would could jump over a little fence into compartment two. The little fence is kind of like a, like the net of a table tennis or a ping pong table, table tennis table. So uh, in the first compartment, the dogs were again able to be shocked. This time they were shocked, I believe, through the floor of the compartment itself, so not through a harness. So we put uh, all the dogs together or all the dogs in this compartment. The dogs in group one or two would feel the shock from this compartment and simply jump over the little uh, fence and get into the second compartment and there was no shock there. So they could escape and they learned how to do this very quickly by jumping over the little fence. Now, here's the interesting thing. The dogs in group three, which had previously learned that they had nothing, that there was nothing they could do to have any effect on the shocks. When they were shocked and had the same stimulus from the first compartment, they just laid down. They were passive. They laid down and just whined. So it's interesting because what we're seeing when the dog in group three lays down is that it had previously learned that it's helpless to this situation. Now, they did find a cure for this learned helplessness. And what they had to do, they, they would give the dog treat, didn't work. Encourage the dog, didn't work. Yell at the dog, didn't work. The only thing that would work was to literally pick up a dog and carry it over the fence, over the little um, divider, and mechanically move the dog's legs with the hands uh, of the experimenter. So basically um, help to illustrate the action, demonstrate the action for the dog so it could, it could see what was going on and then set it down on the other side where there was no shock. It took two times of doing this, two repetitions of doing this for the dog in group three to be able to overcome the previously instilled learned helplessness. Okay, so learned helplessness is this really interesting phenomenon. It's where the group three dogs or humans relax into a situation that is stressful because they perceive that there's no control or nothing that they can do. They have a parasympathetic response, so a slowing of the heart rate, the whole metabolic rate slows, the whole organism slows down, feels uh, apathetic, no motivation, slow, lethargic. It gives up and the human or the, the dog just resigns to the fact that I can never get out of this. There's nothing for me to do here, so why bother? Then jump across to a guy's name's Dr. Ray Pete. He has, uh, he does a lot of work. He's an uh, endocrinologist, I believe, does a lot of work around energy production, so cellular energy production, uh, a lot of research into health and longevity of humans. 
And he wrote in one of his articles, which was called Learn Helplessness, the Dark Side of Stress. He has some interesting words and he says, we're now looking at humans and the culture, right? And he says, possibly the most toxic component of our environment is the way the society has been designed to eliminate meaningful choices for most people. In the... Ex our culture reinforces uh, a routine way of living and in the absence of opportunities to vary the way you work and live uh, to accord with new knowledge that you gain, the nutritional, hormonal, and physical factors have a special importance. Okay, so what's he saying there? He's saying that in his view, the controlled way that we live in our culture and the lack of perceived choice that we have around the food supply, the way we work, where we live, uh, the activities we can do, this routine nature that we've been, in his kind of view, forced to adopt is uh, very damaging, very toxic, and helps to create learned helplessness in humans. So a, a resigned posture, a resigned way of being. He's also saying in here that when this happens, the nutritional, hormonal, and physical factors have special importance. Right, So this is really critical because we're going to actually look at what we can do if we're feeling some of these things, lethargic, lack of motivation, apathetic, in the face of a challenge like we're seeing right now. So let's have a look here. When we break it down, this concept of learned helplessness, we have a situation where we feel that our perception is such that there's a lack of control. So this takes us to the concept of overcoming challenges. And whenever we are exercising, whenever we're working, uh, whenever we're living, we're always overcoming challenges. And it's something that we do every day. When we're presented with a challenge, we can have three outcomes. The first outcome is we give up straight away. So this would be as if I walked into a gym and there's a bar there sitting on the floor with 400 kilos on it and somebody says, can you pick this up? And I would have to look at them and say, no, I can't. And I would just relax into that understanding and I'd probably just sit down and, and I wouldn't be too bothered because it, it, there's no chance I could do that. Now, the other uh, way of approaching that challenge is I look at it and I, I perceive it and I look at the circumstance and I say, I can do this. And I go in and with all my might, I try to lift up this weight. I try to tackle the challenge. This is a growth mindset, right? This is the, a posture of um, leaning into the tension. And of course, this is the most relevant because we're not really talking about the simple giving up. We're talking about having a go. Now, the interesting thing is this can go one of two ways. One is I lift the weight and I overcome the challenge. I overcome the challenge, I get a positive physiological response, so I get a nice adaptive response. I mean, it feels good, uh, it feels good mentally, emotionally, and I adapt physically as well, I get stronger from it. Now, the other way it can go is I fail. I'm not able to lift the weight. And I try, but it doesn't move. And I go back to my thought process and I go, no, I, I, can, I can do this. I rest and I come back, I try again. Still nothing. 
I start to think about it a little bit and I go, oh, maybe I can't do this. And I go back, I, you know, I have some water and I rest. I psych myself up. I come back in, try one more time, nothing. Okay, we've just created a different pathway. In this pathway, we get a negative physiological response. So this is a, a deflating feeling. Uh, we get a, a, an apathetic, unmotivated posture. We get a negative physiological response, a negative physical response. We get a, a slightly stressed state. Uh, and it feeds back into our narrative. So now if I walk into another room, I'm going to look at this weight and the, the, the evidence has been such that, huh, maybe I can't lift this. So you can see how the feedback of the challenge, whether we overcome it or not, is very important in terms of our narrative. And it is important, again, going back to these dogs, as to whether or not I shift into this state of learned helplessness. Am I learning that I'm helping helplessness, helpless in the face of this challenge? Or am I learning that I can overcome it? So in this manner, when we have these big challenges, you know, things that we feel we can't overcome, could be a relationship that you've been in for a long time and you feel you can't get out of it, could be a boss or a job that you just cannot stand, you feel you can't get out of it, could be a business that you just feel you can't get traction on, uh, it could be coronavirus where you just feel as though you have no freedom and you can't do the work that you seek to do. This feeling when it's this um, perceived challenge or this challenge that is perceived to be insurmountable creates this shift in narrative. Okay, so why is this important? Well, it's important because right now as a culture, a lot of small business owners are feeling this. And what I'm hearing from a lot of people is I'm flat, I've lost motivation. They know that there's potential for that energy for the NFI because they can go back and look at January, February, 2020, and they can remember. But right now, while they may intellectually know that this too shall pass and they understand that it's going to be over, there's this intrinsic drop in energy and this general lethargy that seems to be taking over. So what can we do about it? If you're feeling unmotivated, if you're feeling flat, if you're feeling a little bit less creative and you're not doing, you're not leaning into the cha challenges and tensions like you once were, what are the steps that we can do? Well, if we go back to learned helplessness, we can break this down into four little areas. So that's what I'm going to do now. Let's take a look. Um, knowing what we know about the work of these two and others, we can see that there's four different steps, four different opportunities. Uh, they're taking place at an environmental level and they're taking place at a circumstantial level, which is similar. They're taking place at a narrative level. And of course, they're going to feed into your performance, your potential, your output level as well. So the first one, number one, is this concept of choice, right? So the dogs in group three uh, felt as though they have no choice. And often for us, it can feel like we have no choice as well. We had no choice to close down the business or we had no choice to pivot something. We have no choice but to show up to this job, this job that we don't like or this relationship. 
here we need to outline where we do have choice. We need to show consciously to ourselves the choice that we do have. I have a choice to exercise, to move. I have a choice to eat well. I have a choice to go outside. I have a choice to do the work that I love. I have a choice to innovate, to create. I have a, a choice in all of these different areas. And this is important. So if it comes down to it, I would start by literally writing these choices out. So the, this opportunity for choice. Number two is the concept of freedom. And this is a little bit less tangible, but this is again, becoming aware or conscious of the, the places, the avenues in which I have freedom. I have freedom in my life in my ability to go to the beach, to go for a walk. I have freedom to move. I have freedom to speak. I have freedom to create, to do these things that I love. Now, I get it. Some things are closed down. Sometimes the, the winter is long and dark and these things are not, uh, these things are tangible. These things are fact. I understand that. I see exactly where the news is. It's clear. However, I also can try on the narrative which explores the freedom that I do have, right? So we can shift the way, the perception, the way we're thinking. And the question is, which narrative is going to serve you more powerfully to do the work that you want to do and to create the change that you want? If you feel that it's a more powerful narrative to resign into a lack of freedom, then by all means do that. But my bet is that it's going to be a more powerful move to adopt a narrative, a way of thinking, a belief system that sees your opportunity for freedom and moves into these spaces and into these opportunities. Okay, so number three uh, is energy. And here we're going straight to the work of Dr. Ray Pete again. Uh, and he mentions this, that the food, the physical, um, the environmental considerations are more important when there's opportunity for learned helplessness. So if we're feeling this feeling of this challenge, the situation that we can't overcome, and we're feeling flat, lethargic, tired, it's more important than ever that we address our energetic uh, capital and our, and our sources of energy. So I'm not going to go deep down into rabbit holes of food and nutrition, but it seems to me that to limit food intake and to restrict food and cut out entire macronutrient groups, cut out meals altogether, would not be a smart move necessarily when we're in this time that the energetic uh, availability or, or availability of energy is more important than ever to move us out of learned helplessness. Okay, so in essence, now's not the time to restrict. You know, if you're fasting, if you're cutting all these things out and you're feeling a little flat, you're feeling a little lethargic, possibly rethink that decision because now is a time when there's a big shift in perception and you may be feeling lethargic because of this concept of learned helplessness that you don't have control. And what we need in this situation is the opposite. It's an abundance of energy. So Dr. Pete also talks about this concept um, in other work. He calls it uh, environmental enrichment. So this is where we we notice the potential for learned helplessness and we seek to create an enriched environment. 
So we, you know, we maybe do set ourselves some challenges. We do some artwork. We go for walks. We look at nature. We uh, eat an abundant, balanced meals with regular food frequency. We set up our environment and we enrich it because this helps to develop uh, brain development and helps to improve our, our opportunities to move through and overcome learned helplessness. So for me, energy is big. Uh, my favorites, of course, you know, I mentioned food there, but also sunlight, getting out into the sun, uh, open spaces, getting to the ocean, going for walks. And notice, uh, we, you know, we'll talk about uh, um exercise a little bit as well here but notice it's not necessarily a big draining of energy so it could be perhaps for some a curtailing of some of that outputs so a little bit less on the intensity the volume of exercise and things like that and rather just choosing movement choosing some exercise they've shown this with the uh, animals in the experiments as well as one done on rats that some exercise helps to uh, overcome learned helplessness, and they're not exactly sure why. Uh, but the idea there generally would be that it helps to provide an enriched environment and helps to show freedom, freedom of movement, freedom of choice. So exercise is a big one, some form of movement. Uh, and then now we're going to move into number four, the last one. And this is seeing an example. So with the dogs, the main thing that they did was they had to, to overcome learned helplessness. They had to and re-motivate them. They had to lift them up and mechanically move their legs to move them over the little fence to escape the electrical current, the shocks. With us, the, the best way to do this or the easiest way is to see examples. So to surround ourselves with others who are moving through these uh, big challenges quickly and easily to see that we too can do this. We too can overcome the situation. So a peer group, a... Um, you know, create a mastermind, find people, a coach, a friend, people who are aware of this stuff and able to move this stuff or through this stuff already can do so on their own and then can show you, can help you to see the possibility. So in basic, in really basic form there, if you're not motivated in this time and you're not seeing this, uh, this ability to create, this ability to get your inner fire burning, it may be that you need to surround yourself with some people who uh, really, really can do this, who really are able to overcome this because what you're going to see is a reflection of their uh, their attitude and their posture come through yourself. On the flip side, if you're surrounding yourself with people who are very apathetic and, and moving into a very unmotivated Netflix binging, social media watching state in this time, you're likely going to reflect this as well. Okay, now more than usual. So that's it. This concept of learned helplessness is really important. It, it is very uh, prevalent in humans in different cultures. Uh, we see it seasonally in you know more extreme latitudes. Uh, we also see it. Um, we're seeing it now, you know, and we see it with a lot of people in the small business culture. This, in a way, is kind of a call to arms episode because for me, my passion for small business and the change that people can create through small business in the culture is so big uh, that I see it as essential and important for all of you guys to really see this stuff, become aware of it and check yourselves on it and make sure that you're able to move through it.
So if you're feeling flat, unmotivated, lethargic, apathetic, you're not seeing your, your fire that you normally do, you're not seeing yourself create as much as normal, you're not seeing as much output as normal, uh, and you're kind of a little bit down on things there, then this could be playing out. Your four steps, one, discover your choice, two, discover and understand your freedom, three, uh, cultivate energy, energy generation, we call it in the APA program, food, light, exercise, movement, four, see examples of others moving through this, surround yourself with people who are able to um, continue to push, continue to create the change, the positive impact that they want, because this will help you to see the path that may be possible for you as well. That's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoy it. A really interesting topic. Uh, if you enjoy it, go look at deeper. Go go check out the work of Dr. Ray Pete. It's really interesting stuff. A lot of stuff around nutrition in there as well. And if you have any questions, send them along. John at johntmarsh.com. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I appreciate you listening as always. I've got some really, really exciting guests coming up in the next few episodes. So stay tuned. You won't want to miss them. I... They're so exciting that I do want to spill the beans and tell everybody, but I'm going to refrain from this and continue to show up and and do the work. So that's it for today on episode 73 or 74. I'll see you Monday for the next one.